Hi everyone, my name is Ben Plasman. I'm here with Ashmita Barua, and we also have the pleasure of being with Clinton Longnecker. He is an award-winning business educator, author, consultant, and speaker, and is one of America's leaders in creating higher or high-performance organizations. He is a distinguished university professor and the director of the Center for Leadership and Organizational Excellence at the College of Business and Innovation at the University of Toledo. He has been the recipient of over 60 outstanding teaching, service, research, and industry awards, including the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Toastmasters International Leadership Award, and the Jefferson Award for Outstanding Public Service. And he's also recognized at, by The Economist as one of the top 15 business professors in the world. Thank you so much for having us on, Clinton. It's great to Dr. be here. It's I great to say. be here, Ben and Ash, and thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to our dynamic and fun conversation. We have a few questions for you. We did a little bit of research uh, into a book that you written called The Two Minute Trail. Yeah, I can see that book there. Yes, it's, it's a pretty popular book. Yeah, uh, it's about organizational leadership. It incorporates like football and the two minute drill in football into, as a metaphor. As a metaphor, yes. I was wondering, applying this to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, Toledo, the city of Toledo, we have a lot of entrepreneurial programs. There's different incubators at University of Toledo. Prometica has their incubator. There's smaller incubators all around the area. But when you look at the types of successful startups that come out of this area, there's not much. We're wondering, as somebody who wants to take on an entrepreneurial endeavor in this mm-hmm. city, what do you think, A, is holding the city back from mm-hmm. successful entrepreneurship? And B, what do you think is the best way for organizations like the University of Toledo, ProMedica, and all these other incubators to handle their incubation system in general. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what's interesting. If you look at, uh, to start off with the two-minute drill, so the two-minute drill is really a discussion on how organizations can make changes take place quickly. So this was a research project that I did with Dr. Tim Stansfield, who's the CEO and president of a company called IET, mm-hmm. and a fellow by the name of Greg Papp. And Greg was a, a corporate guy who has become a consultant. Uh, his company is called Cube, Cube Culture. And so the three of us got together and we looked at what makes change at the individual level, organizational level, and community level work and what will cause it to be destroyed. And we don't we do know this that most changes have effective changes have a sense of urgency, part one. Uh, they have a clear focus, part two, on what they want to look like when the change is done. Uh, the next part of the discussion is they have the right leaders in place and they have the right players on the field and they basically have a game plan that everybody knows and everybody understands just like in a football game and we just use the two-minute drill as a metaphor that's a very good metaphor though i i completely agree because we're uh, americans like football for and <laughs> yeah. sometimes to uh, to our own demise if you would. <laughs> and being a former college football player myself there's a lot of great lessons and where, where did you play i would happen to be at the university of toledo really so what position a, a homegrown product but <laughs> Back in the day, a slot, and it's it's. Uh, I was an exceptionally average football player, <laughs> but the University of Toledo, through my football experience, paid for my education. So I'm eternally grateful, and that had a lot to do with coming back after I finished my PhD at Penn State University to come back to Toledo 33 years ago this fall. So it's been an awesome run. I'm very appreciative. So all that to say. If you look at communities, what causes communities to to die? And and that's not hard to explain. You can look at when corporations and big companies take hits and they economically struggle, there's a ripple effect. 
when a company, when a, when a community is struggling because they don't have proper employment levels, people don't have money. People don't spend money. So it's a downward spiral, if you would. Now, I'd be willing to bet in your travels and the travels of many of your listeners, we've seen communities that have sprung up and things have gone very, very well. And it's never as a random thing. There's always some forces that are in play that would drive that process forward. If you look at Toledo as a community back in the 70s, and I was born and raised here, Toledo is an exceptionally wealthy community because of automotive related activity and we had fortune we had seven fortune 500 companies here at one time we had uh the top one of the top 30 highest median family incomes in america uh for lots of reasons you know lots of big companies lots of uh you know success if you would uh Mm -hmm. the unions help push push the wage structure and the benefit structure up. And at the same time, they helped give us a powerful and strong workforce that had skills. Mm -hmm. We were very skilled in manufacturing. The trick came when the competition heated up in the late 70s going into the 80s that we could not react effectively. And all three of the, you know, the, all three of the major automobile manufacturers really struggled to react in kind. Mm-hmm. And so not an easy thing to kind of watch, if you would. Mm-hmm. So actually, back in the day, we had four because, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we have Chrysler, Ford, GM, and then, uh, you know, various people that have come in and out of that market. AMC was producing cars for a little while. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, a, an, an odd mix, if you would. But all that to say, at the end of the day, the community has vestiges today that are holdovers from our great success and wealth of the past. The Art Museum would be an example. Mm -hmm. Started in uh, 1901 by Edmund Drummond Livy, the great industrialist, who was also responsible for the spearheading and starting of Owens Corning and Owens, Illinois. It used to be the Illinois Bottling Company. Mm -hmm. Uh, Libby Owens Ford. Those were all spinoffs from one guy who's one of the greatest industrialists in the history of America. He's never gotten Mm -hmm. the attention that he probably deserved yeah all right so we have the art museum we have an outstanding zoo we have an amazing metro park system mm-hmm. so those are three things that are basically the city planners of long ago when they had lots of money they were thinking ahead and they made some moves with the influence of, of business if you would mm-hmm. so when the hard times hit the we became unattractive our workforce was expensive our workforce had union rules that tied the hands of a lot of people trying to make changes quickly. So our workforce made us less than attractive back in the day. Now, that workforce has changed significantly yeah. today. Our unionized workforce is among some of the best and most cooperative in the country, which mm-hmm. is a very good thing. But at the end of the day, the, the community took a nosedive and, and it slid pretty far. And I can say that we've had some very difficult times having been here for all this time. Now, today, what do we see? Things are coming back. Mm-hmm. And the question is, why are they coming back? And the answer is we're seeing activity on the entrepreneurial side, but we're also seeing activity in joint ventures between the county government, the city government, and business people. So what's changed downtown? I mean, a lot's changed. A lot of it has to do with ProMedica relocating. Mm-hmm. You look at um, and, and a lot what, of new businesses have started up. Absolutely. Uh, and what triggered that? When the mud hens put the stadium yes, downtown, that was the starting yeah, point, and that was 15, 16 years can ago. Can these consolidations of working together be bad? For example, like let's say an organization like ProMedica, for example, they are based – I mean, what they did over time is they got a lot of debt, and they used it to buy out their competition. Certain instances, prices have increased by three and 400% in certain yes. cases. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, they've been able to do a lot of charity work downtown, and that's great. But I mean, they're also a nonprofit; they don't pay taxes. So in order to justify their nonprofit status, they have to do those things. 
-hmm. is that a good thing? And should people in Toledo at least know, know and recognize that the reason why they're building and making all this development is because they're charging higher healthcare rates than they otherwise should. And they're not the only ones that do this. This yeah. happens around the country. And mm -hmm. well, I'm it, just wondering what it, your perspective is well, on that. I look at ProMedica, and I've known the organization for a very long time, and Randy Ostra, uh, the CEO, is, is a good friend. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I believe that their motives are very strong to bring Toledo back. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of the discussion. If you look at Joe Napoli, what has happened at the Mud Hens. The Mud Hens are a baseball team, but they've also come an economic development machine. Mm -hmm. So we also, and then with the mud, with the mud hens, we have the walleyes and the walleyes have created that venue down there. Back, by the way, it's kind of fun to see my former student, Neil Newcomb at the helm of the walleyes doing a oh, great yeah. job. Oh. I can look around some of these, I've been around so long, you guys, <laughs> and I see these people out in the community and I go, you know what? Hey, that's a former student of mine. That's a, that's it. And it's a function of being old at this point. <laughs> so all that to say, there's probably some, some healthcare related issues that are down deep that, 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 that well, might be more structural, structural and philosophical questions probably much higher than my pay grade but i do know this <laughs> yeah. without the leadership uh of some quasi-governmental agencies uh, the mud hens i mean county-owned operation without mm -hmm. the mud hens the walleyes the toledo museum of art brian kennedy an awesome leader an mm -hmm. entrepreneur for somebody who is managing and leading an institution he has taken this whole notion of the visual arts and visual learning to a new level, mm -hmm. our art museum has become a destination. Yeah. We have the second highest uh, per capita visitation rates of any art museum in the country. Really? We have the fourth highest, uh, among the top four or five wow. best uh, collections uh, of art in the world. We have a, a broad collection, not real deep, but broad, but, and we have the number one glass collection uh, mm -hmm. in North America. So we're taking that, we're learning how to leverage that, the zoo which again, it was started by Libby and other city leaders back in the day in the early 1900s. The zoo has morphed into a destination now. Yeah. Very creative leadership there, and it's become a neat magnet to bring people to the city. Mm -hmm. So if we go around and just start counting up things, Toledo's in a better place now because some big businesses have stepped forward. We're leveraging our local institutional resources. And then on top of that, now, like you mentioned, entrepreneurs are popping up all over the place. Yeah. It's relatively easy, not easy, it's relatively straightforward to open a coffee house in mm -hmm. downtown Toledo. Yeah. Okay. To start a high-tech company that's working in the arena of information or artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different very, ball yeah, game. That's, so, and that's the most beneficial type of entrepreneurship to a community, too. Right now, in the long run, yes, in the yeah. long run. So having said that, what does it take to make a community awesome? It takes a government that is willing to make it easy for people to do business. Mm -hmm. All right, And I think our governments are moving in that direction to become more proficient in that regard. It takes um, more people focused on results rather than being territorial. Mm -hmm. or provincial oh, in their completely. viewpoint yes it takes capital and there's a lot of capital floating around right now mm -hmm. in the community it takes an awesome workforce and our workforce right now is coming back a little bit it's mm -hmm. it's not what it once was but it is coming back but employers will tell you wherever you go around the country we're no different than anybody else it's hard to find people that can pass a drug test that, that's horrible it, yeah it, it's a very very difficult thing so at the end of the day the pieces are in place and we are we have moved more slowly than a lot of communities can i play size. devil's advocate though Please. because yeah. we looked up bureau of labor statistics mm -hmm. and 
we find all this data that says, yeah, Toledo's growing, but we're growing at slightly below the average rate of the national economic growth rate. Is that really a net positive if we're growing at a slower rate than the rest of the country? Because if the whole country is growing, shouldn't we be progressing faster, especially when we had larger recessions in the past? In theory, I think you're right. I think that's a, a good analytical mindset. I would go back and I would just say... And I'm not trying to down no, you. No, this, no, this no, is, no, not at all. I love Toledo, no, too. No, no, no. Yeah. You're a local guy, too. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're growing and not yeah. as fast as the rate of other people. So the question is not why. And the answer mm-hmm. is I think we've come we had, we've come farther from behind. That's true. And there are still institutional barriers mm-hmm. uh, to growth. Part of it's mindset. Part mm-hmm. of its mindset, uh, to for, to a great extent, yeah. uh, people in Toledo do not. They, we have a tendency to think small and parochial. We do, yeah. and provincially. So at the end of the day, when you travel and you look around, you see communities here and there that are doing really neat things. You ask yourself, where did that come from? Well, a guy came here. He had an idea. He went to school here. Got mm-hmm. some funding here. If you look at uh, what Dan Gilbert has done to, in Detroit, yeah, there's one guy. And again, not alone. He's got a board. He's got people around mm-hmm. him to do an awesome job. But he's a Detroit guy. Yeah. So he wants Detroit to come back. Uh, if you look at in most of these communities, you'll find somebody who loves the community, who's willing to invest their sweat and equity and money in that community, and they're willing to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Where it happens a lot, if you have a Fortune 500 company and the ownership or the CEO live in another community, they're not they're not yeah. invested in that community. They're not wedded point. to that community. I spoke to several mayors that said that too, actually. Like, it's so important to get like the leadership in certain areas Engaged. to live in your city yeah, and engage them. Yep, that's a big part. Yeah. And, and I think if you look at our community, for a period of time in there, we had a lot of uh, senior leadership that was off-site or mm-hmm. living in other communities. I think that's trending back this way a little bit. And we do see companies rolling up their sleeves and want to get involved again in our community. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize the word our community. I'd ask a question to all your listeners. We can look at government. We can look at big business. We can look at entrepreneurial enterprises. But here's a research study that I've been doing. Okay. I've been going around asking people, all right, the city's on a comeback, and we're all excited about that, and maybe we're slower than others, but we're making moves. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. What is your responsibility? as a member of this community that's a to, great question. to do your part yes. to grow our community that's a great that's a great question it is and you know yeah. what the answers are all over the board i've yeah. asked hundreds of people this question and there are people that are though i know so many of them that like will just go out of the way and like i don't know i know a mail carrier who yeah. he literally found textbooks that were being thrown away and he delivered them to uh children's like doorsteps outside of East Toledo, you know, so they have textbooks to look at. Yeah. And I see so many like little examples of that. You want to hear some, uh, what people say, what can we do as citizens to make Toledo a more vibrant and economically sound community? We can be really serious about our marriages. We can have great marriages because you know what? Great marriages uh, increase the likelihood of having kids who are going to grow up, who will be whole and will be more more educationally oriented. Mm-hmm. So having a good marriage is an economic factor in yeah. a community. Marriage is one of the rock. around the country. Bedrock. The marriage, it's a bedrock. Yeah. Thing. If you're married, you make much more on average than non-married. Yeah, absolutely. People. All right. So that would be one. Volunteer in your community. That's another mm-hmm. one. Be the best mom or dad that you can be. 
And if you look at our community, one of the things that's holding us back is we have a lot of absentee dads in communities. Yeah. If you talk to people that work at Toledo Public Schools, a lot of kids out there are struggling because they're in an environment where parental involvement is not a big part. So mm-hmm. what do we do? We blame the teachers. The teachers aren't doing a good job. There's a lot of dynamics, but yeah. they're, social, they're socially oriented. Mm-hmm. No question. The drug addiction cuts into a community. Yeah. But you could go through and look at all those negatives. People are so funny, though, because you say, give me five things that you could do to make Toledo a better place. People say, uh, drive the speed limit and, and uh, honor the vehicular laws. That's, that's everybody's reaction. Was well, it really? Say hello to people. Be more friendly. And some of us, by nature, are more gregarious than our others. Mm-hmm. But it sure doesn't hurt if you're walking down the street to look at somebody and say hello. I'm trying to get my students to take their pods out of their ears and their headphones <laughs> off when they're walking around the street in public to yeah. take in, not to look down at their phones, but to look up at what's going on and around that's, them. That's a great point, too. It is. So there's a whole bunch yeah. of things. But being polite to each other in public places, demonstrating fundamental civility, mm-hmm. uh, recycling. You say, well, recycle? Yeah, recycle. Don't don't throw your garbage on the street. There's a, a I, we don't have time to get into it now, but I could share a boatload of things that really, yeah. in many cases, are are simple, like the volunteer part. There's so many things. Give two hours a, a month to a reading program in one of the community That's, community schools. Volunteer yeah. at the Cherry Street Mission, by the way, which is an exceptional organization, uh, headed up by Dan Rogers, making a real difference in our community. Mm-hmm. By the way. Or engage at the University of Toledo. We got a gazillion things going on around this place. Yeah. And there's and for those of you who are business school alums who might be listening, know this that there's awesome things afoot. We have a new dean, Alan Ballas. She mm-hmm. stepped up and she's doing a very good job and she's learning the city and she's very excited to be here. There's neat stuff going on at the college. So what can you oh by the way, one other thing about supporting the community, think about think globally, act and buy locally. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, yeah, the Toledo, there's nothing to do. There's lots of stuff to do here. But oh, I would, tons. Yeah. I would encourage people to get out out of the Toledo Blade, which is still a viable enterprise in our community where a lot of companies, a lot of organizations have lost, lost their newspapers. Get it out and check out what's going on around town on weekends. There's tons of stuff. Yeah, instead of going to a restaurant, yeah, yeah. Instead of going to a restaurant, it's maybe comfortable in your home. Drive downtown and visit the Blarney or some other restaurant locally, and and spend money in downtown Toledo. That's how yeah. it's going to help to bring the community back. Yeah. So just remember this: each one of us plays a role in helping our community succeed and, and do well that's and, that's a great point and wow. right right down to doing our jobs be the best that we can be at our yeah. jobs yeah that, that's such a great point man you got me almost speechless here for a second yeah. another thing you point out to the institutions that kind of really helped develop toledo a lot of these institutions though were especially from the business aspect were startups at one point these they eventually became fortune libby glass 18 1880s yeah yeah, yeah the uh what was it? the Edison glass plant went on strike. And so as a result, the Libby glass factory took over all that glass production and they became very successful in Finley and Toledo mm-hmm. and grew as a result of that. Yeah. And there's a lot of places like that. And it seems that like Detroit and Toledo, their successes were built on entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in fields that had the greatest increases in terms of economic productivity mm-hmm. that were happening at that time. Right. And I was wondering, do you think that's essential to economic growth? It appears to be. And what sectors do you believe are emerging right now that Toledo would be wise to 
have entrepreneurs try to get into and start up? What are some you know, emerging sectors that you see? That's a great question. I probably, my, my view is not as good as so many other people because a lot of the stuff that I do is in manufacturing. So we know where manufacturing's at. It's making a comeback right now. Yeah. A good part is a lot of businesses being pulled back from overseas and is returning to the U.S. Mm-hmm. because it's easier to do business here. You don't have uh, a lot of supply chain issues. Transportation is once what it was, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's a piece. So I'm a manufacturing guy. But when you look at healthcare nationally, is always going to be a big trend. Yeah. And there are things that we could be doing locally. Uh, and should be doing locally. I'm not in a position to speak, but there's some things that, that are going on healthcare-wise that could with innovation a, and innovation yeah. and some things that could make a difference in our community from a healthcare perspective. Transportation. We are a transportation hub. We have still, and Paul Toth at the Port Authority is doing a good job. They have positive things going on. Uh, have we figured out how to completely leverage this though? Answer. Probably not as well as we could or as we should. Mm-hmm. We have uh, lots of service organizations. And also, you know, HCR Manicare, now acquired by ProMedica, mm-hmm. they're providing services for people. Uh, and there's a possible synergy between those two organizations. Yeah. You can go through, it's hard to make blanket statements, but we do know this. Anything dealing with an aging population, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity. Anything dealing with yeah. anything dealing with technology, there's an opportunity. Anything that is dealing with things that people use day in and mm-hmm. day out and are necessary for life to survive, those are things that okay. we absolutely positively what about, have to have. Like robotics and yeah. automation. I see like one of the things I, I was watching documentaries on Detroit. And Detroit, while Detroit's fall has been much more dramatic than Toledo's, their success, Toledo and Detroit's success have been very similar. Yeah. And one of the things they said about uh, Detroit during its heyday, you go to any street corner, you can find a new engineer. And it appears, I really think that engineers, the quantity of engineers that one has in their community really creates entrepreneurial development. It does. And just attracts tons of economic growth. Because if you're a business and you want to pay high-end or have some high-end jobs and relocate, yeah, you're going to go to a place with lots of talent in engineering. There's no question. And you know what's interesting too i have a lot of engineers in my mba classes i love yeah. them you know yeah. why because engineers look at the world differently than marketing people and accounting people and and finance folks they do they uh. they look for they do root cause analysis engineers make their bread and butter they're trained and their their thought patterns focus around how do you solve a problem mm-hmm. uh tim stansfield on the two minute drill book greg pat both of them are industrial engineers Really? So I hang out with them whenever I can, hoping some of that rubs off. <laughs> I do that with certain people, too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so at the end yeah. of the day, you're absolutely right, yeah. engineering. And we know that our engineering program at the University of is First Cabin. It's yeah. a great place, and our co-op program gives us a competitive advantage. And if mm-hmm. you uh, look at the things, Mike Toole, the new dean up there, has been here for a couple of years, is doing great work up there. And when you look at the graduation rate, the place rate, it's incredible. It's mm-hmm. absolutely off the charts. Our business school graduates right now, are, we have a 96, 95% uh, gr- when they graduate, they roll right into employment. Yeah. So that's a great spot to be in. Yeah, I'm a former, both of us are, Ashmita and I. Ashmita knows, she knows. So at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. You've got to have a vibrant, well-trained, talented workforce to make any community better at what it does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there's a lot of of moving pieces there. But here you go. You find people who are passionate, though. 
uh, and start a business. Uh, Tim Stansfield started Industrial Engineering Technology 20, mm-hmm. I think probably 25 years ago already. I had him as an MBA student. And he talked really? about wanting to go off and start his own business now. And here they are now, right in sleepy Toledo, <laughs> one of the leading industrial engineering companies I've in the world. I've heard of it, yeah, yeah. So you can go around. There's pockets of excellence, but here's the thing. We need to promote Toledo. And leverage it. I can see what you're saying. And leverage that thought yeah. process, yes. There's a lot of patronage that goes on in the city. There's no question. Um, a lot of what we call legalized forms of corruption. And this doesn't happen just in Toledo. This happens in Detroit. Oh, no, everywhere. Flint. Right. We see this all over. And I'm sure this happens in growing cities, too. But when we talk to, like, for example, we talk to chambers of commerce from around the country, and they have a lot of innovative policies in terms of keeping and attracting and retaining talent mm-hmm. to their area. And they're focused on figuring out which are the new key industries to really try to attract talent to come to that area, right. too. Right. And I talked to the Lutzloop Chamber, and they're complaining that millennials don't shake hands hard enough and they'll say, oh, we'll be able to attract talent because of the new open container law. So if you look at the things that can drive economic development, people are frequently quick to point to Chamber of Commerce, Port Authorities. Those are very critical agencies, if you would, in a community's development. So here's my question for anybody in any city in the country. Is your Chamber of Commerce and your Port Authority are they benchmarking off the best practices in the world? Are we using no. best practices? Well, that's my point. So yeah. my, my point would be that's where we should be. And again, uh, the, you know, chambers behave a certain way for whatever. And I would just encourage the members of our chamber. And uh, there's there's been some growth, some development, some new things. Keep looking for best practices. Yeah. Bring them home. Bring them back here. Educate people. Share them with folks. Because yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, I think ideas are one thing. There's lots of great ideas floating around out there. I did, I did a seminar, excuse me. It's a, about getting a, results. I read the two-minute drill. It, for, it, it is. It's, it is about getting results. Uh, so if you put, put this in context, though, it starts with what do you want success? To, everybody, all right, people, we're going to make money. Okay, I got it. Everybody wants to make money. Yeah. But the question would be what's going to be the vehicle? What yeah. do you have that's novel, unique, one-of-a-kind, best-in-class, what problem-solving capability do you have as an organization that other people can't move or catch up with mm-hmm. and, and move to or catch up? I would go back and just say organizations, if you're in a survival mode for too long, survival becomes a mindset. It, we're always in a survival mindset. True. Where if you go to some newer communities like Charlotte, mm-hmm. it's been around mm-hmm. forever, but it's only really been on the map the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's become a big deal. NBA team, all these things going on. Well, it goes back to the fact that they had a handful of industries that they really brought in yeah. that, that located the area and or that grew rapidly. Yeah. And that changed the whole trajectory. And they diversified their economy. Right. They right. have, in North Carolina, it's actually state law for every city to have a city manager. Yeah. And I lo- we looked at so many top policies around the country. We found so many from North Carolina. And I think that's probably not a coincidence. No, look at the state's growth um, rate. I have a daughter that lives in Winston-Salem. If you were in Winston-Salem 20 years ago, it was a scary place. Yeah, yeah. Downtown <laughs> Winston-Salem right now is a hip, chic, yeah. avant-garde operation. And people are coming there. They've got uh, Wake, my son-in-law, is a uh, 
His name is Nathaniel Westfall. He's a bioengineer, University of Toledo graduate of the University of Toledo's medical school. Uh-huh. Uh, he's in one of the, the top five uh, ER uh, residency programs in the country yeah. at, at Wake Forest. Yeah. So he's got his UT training. He's going to Wake Forest. He's competing uh, with kids from his class from Big Ten schools, Ivy mm-hmm. League schools. He's there competing. That's awesome. In downtown. Yeah. And there's a lesson for all of us there mm-hmm. that yeah. we can compete with anybody in the world. And we have a lot of nice things like I, lo- I like Toledo, and, like, I like living here. I think this is a really neat city. I used to travel around the country for work. And, Grant, I'm from the area, so, like, this always just felt like home. And, Me, too. I, Me too. Me too. I loved it here. And I think I've, I've seen so many of my friends move away because they want better opportunities elsewhere. I just so wish that our city economically could get back on track. Right. And there are ways. What we've learned is there are ways. And one of the frustrating things is is... You know, there's certain practices that we have, this is off record, but um, that we talk with economists. They say that's That's, that's old school. Smart. Yeah, me, that's old school. It's so that. old school. Okay, we give tax incentives. Tax incentives don't work, but we give that we gave half a million dollars last year in tax incentives. To whom? Uh, businesses and organizations around Toledo. They tracked how many jobs were created. Negative eleven. That's that doesn't seem to work, but, but yet we continue to do is it. It's a means which is used by all the states. Yeah, it is yeah. used by a lot of cities, but yeah. um, there are cities that don't. And economists have said, you know, state and local government taxes combined make up about two to three percent of all businesses' expenditures. Okay. What matters much more is the area, the workforce, uh, proximity along the supply chain, and infrastructure. Infrastructure, mm-hmm. yes. All right. And, and location is important. In the future, water will become increasingly important. Yes. So, so there's a lot of stairs. things going on. But I would go back and just say, I think you're spot on, uh, Ben, with your thinking. So the question then becomes is, what can leaders do to make communities more attractive to other folks? I had a, one of my Chinese students ask me a couple years ago, Clint, I have a question. Why is each state allowed to try to hurt every other state? <laughs> That's a and, I, and I said, Wong, what are you talking about? He goes, well, a company leaves Toledo and goes to North Carolina, and Toledo loses the money when they pull out, and North Carolina pays the other state to come down there, even though yeah. it hurts you, and that hurts the, the – is the net effect negative for the country as a whole? He was looking yeah. at the state's That's so true. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's That was the mindset. And so at the end of the day, we need to – so our tax coming. incentives – the way to lure businesses to a community, or are there other we things? We talked to a city administrator, and he said after the agreement, a lot of times they would give tax incentives after they already agreed to come here. We said, yeah, yeah. But they do it as a way to, I think, politically look good to say, okay, we brought them here because of these. Yes. And and there, that's just a small example, but like that's not sound economic policy. It robs communities over the, of long, the resources. Over the long term, correct? Yeah. And. It doesn't really stimulate economic growth if we create negative 11 jobs. Right. I mean, it But see, didn't... here's the question, though. We're living in the information age. Mm-hmm. We have all kinds of information out there around all of these things, mm-hmm. and yet we still behave in a way that is, yeah. uh, that is emotionally driven or old school. Yeah. And if you look at, uh, I'll tell you what right now, if you look at the federal government, and this is not to be critical, but to make an observation as somebody who's as a person who studies organizations for a living, mm-hmm. I look at the federal government and I say, we have data on everything. We know what, what policies work and yeah. don't work. And yet, if something's not working and it's a political child or brainchild of somebody or a pet mm-hmm. project, 
we don't touch it, even if it's not working. And we've yeah. got boatloads of social engineering projects that the government has been engaged in that uh-huh. are creating devastating long-term consequences to... What do you mean, like, social engineering Well, you can, you can go like, through the way we handle re-education and educational yeah. loans, uh, welfare, workfare, mm-hmm. put, put an issue together... You can you can just say that in many cases we are encouraging people yeah. not to do the right thing. Yeah, it's incentives, and when you have a lack of proper incentives, and I agree, like we we're not going to get too much into national government, and we want to try to detach ourselves from any partisan affiliation because I just don't think that's productive. I'm with you, and I think it's about solving problems. Yes, exactly. And pro- the problem, and here's the thing I like about sorry not to interrupt you, Ben. Oh no, but this is an important point. So if we're trying to solve a problem. Like immigration. Okay. Let's state the problem. Let's analyze the problem. Let's look at the real data, not the emotional stuff on TV on both sides screaming around. What is the solution? We have a solution. We can implement a solution. But in many cases, politicians, if it's not the solution they want, despite what the data says, they're going to fight. They're going to, you know, raise a ruckus, if you would. So it's almost as if enlightened, no, unenlightened self-interest rules rather than enlightened national interest. Yes, I agree completely. So, and again, there's nothing that we can do sitting in my office at the University of Toledo to change this. Well, it's like, how do you get, like, for example, let's say somebody would want to get to the top. You couldn't even get to the top in politics to make these changes because the incentives are so perverse in many cases for you to do the wrong thing. That's the way you make your way to the top in politics. Well, and right now, I'm nervous for your generation. Yeah. You know, the federal deficit now is over $20 trillion. Yeah. How that will be paid for it will be on know. the backs. I forget, Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers, made a comment something like, uh, you know, generational debt is the highest and most cruel form of taxation. It is. And that's what's coming. And yet, who's talking about that right now at the federal level? Nobody is. Nobody. Exactly. And so. what happens is, since Congress can't agree, and I think there's so much division in our country and i think a lot of it might be cultural they just pass it off to the other generation that's a compromise you know what i mean like they, don't, they kick uh, and i heard president obama i heard president bush yeah. i've heard everybody say we're not going to kick the can down the road anymore they always do you know what we're professional can kickers <laughs> you know, our politicians are they could play in the nfl can kicking you know that's how you, you get there <laughs> yeah that's true well i would just go back and say you know i think you're generating some good ideas some good conversations oh, thank, you. thank you uh and i i'm excited when young people get excited i i am very fortunate to be surrounded by lots of very talented young professional folks yeah. and an outstanding uh, faculty in the college of business and innovation so there's a great passage in scripture it says in proverbs 27 17 it says like iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. so one person can sharpen another so I feel like if I'm sharp at all, a big part of that is because I married well to my lovely wife, Cindy. I have I had great mentors when I was a student at the University of Toledo, Jack Simonetti, John Monarchy, Ed Barty. These are people that made a big difference in my life. They taught me how to teach and how to interact well with other folks. I can go back and just say that I'm surrounded by lots of good people in the community that I work with on a voluntary basis or sitting on boards or doing consulting work. So I would encourage your listeners to think about this. Who are you sharpening? 
Who's keeping you sharp? Surround yourself with awesome people. That's, that's Surround yourself yeah. with the best yeah. people you can. You actually told us in Allah that you are the sum of four people you hang out with. Yeah, you're. Yeah, it's actually five. But you, yeah, you five are. You five are the people. average. <laughs> you are. Uh, pick it. Pick it. Pick a dimension. You, you she know, wasn't listening very but, well. No, she's awesome. <laughs> you, you tend to be the average of the five p- closest people in your life. So, mm-hmm. you know, so hang out with awesome people. There's another yeah. thing you could do to make the community. I tell my students, if you're hanging out with people, don't share your big dream. They don't share your values. Mm-hmm. They're not They're not thinking, then run. Get away. Get out of there. Get, get away and point. find a good place. To, and that's why, you know, the community gets involved with EPIC, you know, the young people's yeah. group at, at the chamber. That's a good group to find some people who are trying to be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, or churches are awesome places to find great people. Surround yourself. Uh, there's a lot of community groups that you can plug into. Surround mm-hmm. yourself with people who look at the world in a great way, and that will affect you in posi- very real and positive ways. Yeah. So that's something you can that's do. To make, you point. want to make Toledo a better place? Make yourself a better person. I, I'm, and, <laughs> here's the catch, though. And I, what is your process? If you're in a business leader, based, I mean, I want to be the best leader I can be. Okay, good. I hope to get better at, in my emotional intelligence. Right? Mm-hmm. Wanting and hoping are not good improvement strategies. What we need is we need a plan. Mm -hmm. So if we target an area of our life, let's say we're not good working in teams. We're kind of Lone Ranger folks, Mm -hmm. but you got to work in a team. What are you doing to become more proficient at working in teams? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I just want to share this thought with your with your readers here. When we did the research for uh, our, our recent book. Uh, the Successful Career Survival Guide, we found that, you know, the bottom line, discussion, and, and this is true in government, it's true in lots of other areas, you, we're being held accountable to deliver desired results. Mm-hmm. We need to deliver results. That's number one. Number two, all right, question, what activities, what behaviors on your part will get you there? Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good question. I need to engage in more of those activities and few less of the things that are not value-added. Yes. Get rid of yes. the value-added part. All right, number three, now, if you know I should be more proficient at process mapping, making presentations, increase my technical skills and operating with some new platform at work, I do I have the skills to do those things? Mm-hmm. So we go from results to activity to skills. Now, here's the big one. And this is, there's two big ones. Mm-hmm. Time. If we That's don't huge, yeah. apply our time appropriately, it's going to be a bad thing. And my wife mm-hmm. and I spend quite a bit of time in the country of Haiti, so Haitians will say something like, Ligue Ugur problem kunya in Creole, in their native tongue. That means you have a giant problem right now. <laughs> so if we don't yeah. use our time wisely, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we're, it's wishful thinking. Yeah. I tell, I, I mean, I encourage students, throw away your video games. I, I Put them just aside for think, maybe I was thinking, I don't need to play video games because I don't want to. Because you could take that time. Yeah. Don't, I mean, again, I, I'm like everybody else. I like movies, I like, but binge watching can destroy a person's ability to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, time has got to be really, really used and applied appropriately. And then last and certainly not least, and there's more to it, but this is the big one. Hang out with awesome people. Surround yourself with great people and develop impressive abil- your, your, your impressive ability to work well with other people and encourage and inspire. Uh, we found in our Getting Results uh, book and as well as the Successful Career Survival Guide, our attitude affects our altitude. 
If mm-hmm. you have a bad attitude, if you are a whiner, a complainer, a malcontent, a cynic, a sarcastic soul, a weaver of woe, if you are somebody who a finds weaver of woe. a weaver of woe, somebody who finds the negative in any good bright yeah. thing, do not allow yourself to become Winnie the Pooh's friend, Eeyore. <laughs> because remember Eeyore, he was yeah. always negative. When he comes down the street, the sunshine, he's got flowers in his hand, and he, he looks at Eeyore and goes, "Look at Eeyore, what a beautiful day!" And Eeyore says, "Probably gonna rain tomorrow, Winnie." <laughs> yeah, so negative, right? So negative. He, always yeah. negative. Yeah. And negative if in, in our community we suffer from Eeyoreism, that's a very good point, and so, that, that makes an impact too. Like you're not gonna strive and be as ambitious in what you take on. Right. It. You have the Eeyore complex, right? And if you hang out with people who are Eeyores or energy vampires, Mm -hmm. it just suck life out of you. Yeah. So hang out with awesome people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, communities require leadership. Uh, Our mayor, uh, Kapsikavich, is a young guy. He's got good energy. He's got good ideas. Uh, He's working in a very uh, fixed structure that's kind of a hard place to operate, but Mm -hmm. he's doing his best to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if you get enough people doing their very best to make a difference, the cumulative effect on that can be very positive on any community. But here's a footnote. Without yeah. leadership, mm-hmm. if you don't have leadership stepping up and making a difference, uh, communities will continue to languish. That's so true. I just wanted to ask you one question. Please. So economic uh, improvement initiative will remain incomplete without um, improving on education. So while it up. They conducted a study on hundred uh, cities, hundred fifty U.S. cities, yeah. and uh, Toledo ranked lowest in terms we're of the education. We're and they measured high school and grade schools. That, that yeah, it was just high, public, or, education. Or, or, public education. Public it's not the private schools. It was just no. the public education. education yes. So yeah. I just wanted to know what the leadership is doing in terms of improving uh, the public education here, because there are a lot of people who cannot afford uh, financially, you know, just putting their children in private schools. Correct. So they have to send their children to public right. schools and they have to uh, stay in the area yeah. where these public schools are located yes. even they cannot move into sylvania or perisburg even if they want because right. they cannot afford to stay there right. so they have to continue staying in toledo and send their children to public schools so what the leadership is doing in terms of uh, yeah. improving education here you know i can't speak directly to a lot of specifics but i know romulus durant is a, a good friend who's the superintendent mm-hmm. and i do know this that they are they're working hard so that the and, and most of the Toledo public school teachers that I know are very motivated, hardworking yeah. people. We read in the paper about the bad ones. Mm-hmm. You hear about the bad ones. But at the end of the day, family units have got to support the educational process. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, I'm an old guy now, but when we were kids, you didn't do your homework. You, you got whipped. I mean, it wasn't even complicated. You probably shouldn't say that on the air. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mom, no, sorry no. Dad. You didn't do your homework. There were yeah. consequences. Yeah. And the, the standards were in place where yeah. now, like kids, homework is, the teachers, if you talk to somebody as a teacher in a lot of schools, they'll just say, the kids just don't want to bring, you know, their... How they can you force do, them? You can't, you know? exactly. So at the end of the day, if we're in a society where education and competing on a world stage, you're exhibit A right now, you've come all the way from India, you've yeah. come here, you've educated yourself. Uh, you know back, back home what a priority education is. People know in India that if they have an education, they can survive and thrive. Oh, yeah, we have one million population, so we're very competitive. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's a very, you got a billion people. You know, somebody says. She is very competitive. Yeah, yes. she is competitive, right? That's a good thing. But what if there's no competition around school? 
I no, always believe in I, competition because I believe healthy competition drives efficiency. If you are not competitive right. enough, you will not try to, you will not feel motivated enough to improve yourself. I yeah. agree, but I would say this in community development, competition needs to be augmented with cooperation. Because mm-hmm. okay. if we, you know, if other companies decide just to hurt each other and not compete where they can and share, yeah. uh, and it gets ego driven, it can be a bad thing for a community. But all that to say, at the end of the day, the, the educational system is the future. Mm-hmm. And here's the and, and I have lots of friends who are educators at the at the secondary and elementary levels. My wife Cindy uh, is an educator. She worked in uh, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, in 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 a wow. school in downtown Port-au-Prince. A very very tough one of the toughest places in the world. Yeah, no, yeah. And, I, I and, know people who've been to Haiti, and they, my yeah. brother was there actually. Yeah, telling me it's stories. a tough place. So at the end of the day. Haitians know that the only way that they can survive is if they get an education. So they are fighting and clawing to learn how to read, how to write, how to, if their native tongue is Creole, how to speak French, because that will open new doors. So in the 21st century, the, the success rate of countries will be driven by education, yes. ability to change, and basically the ability for people to be civil and kind to each other. We know that in a, in a community where people are mean-spirited, you run people off. Mm-hmm. We know that if the, if the, like in New York City, they were talking about one of the issues that, I can't remember if it was a sociologist or an anthropologist talking about the fact that people don't want to live in New York City anymore. Really? Well, young yeah. millennials do, but as they reach a certain age, people aren't excited. About the cost is, yeah. is out of control. Yeah. Traffic's out of control. And the traffic in New York City, everybody, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So from my perspective, I think you want a city to be attractive. So I'm a Toledo guy like you, Ben, mm-hmm. and I would go back and I'd make this simple comment. I would say Toledo is a great place to raise a family. Uh, the pr- housing prices here are fair. The public school systems here, while they may not be optimal, they are trying to improve the quality of what they're of what's going on yeah. there. We have a tremendous amount of parochial uh, schools and private schools for a city our size. Oh yeah, excellent. And they're excellent. They're, 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 they're unbelievably well rated. They are. The University yeah. of Toledo is an awesome anchor in our community. Mm-hmm. If you go through the Metro Park system, we live next to a Metro Park. We're in that Metro Park three, four days a week, mm-hmm. uh, getting exercise. There's so many awesome things here that if people take advantage of them, and now what we need is more businesses getting excited better support for those businesses from the chamber from the government and from other agencies around here but we need individual people to step up and take care of their part of the garden as we spoke of earlier that's a very good point so i hope i've answered your questions you did i appreciate you